Welcome to Commercial Conversations Over Coffee, the show where two college dropouts turned real estate millionaires discuss all aspects of commercial real estate investing. Now, welcome your hosts, Tyler Cobble and apartment guy, Bruce Peterson. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back to the C3 Podcast. I'm Tyler Cobble here, as always, with my co-host, Bruce Peterson. Bruce, happy Friday, man. How you doing? I am very good. I'm a little uh, dried out, a little hungover, maybe. Uh, was at a real estate function last night. We had a lot of fun, but ready to get rolling again. Man, you've got you've got a really low voice today. <laughs> when I yeah, when I when I drink um, the the night before, if anytime I take uh, an antihistamine, it drives me out so bad my voice drops. It'll probably start to raise <laughs> as we go through the podcast. But uh, I wish it would stay like this all the time. But I I don't like the things that I have to do to make it drop. Yeah, not everybody can be as lucky as I am, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing? Tell us tell us about the event. Uh, it's just a uh, well, I guess they're national, but they're based out of Houston. It's a group called Total Wealth academy and you know they just teach people um how to invest in commercial real estate you know all different forms of commercial real estate they talk about um single family also single family flips single family rentals so they're kind of a they, they cover everything real estate investing actually uh started by a friend of mine steve davis a great group of people they've been in business for a little over a year they started up during covid but even with it, you know, launching during COVID, man, they're doing really, really well. So I really enjoy hanging out with them and, and networking with people that are doing what I'm doing. Yeah, it's it's nice to see that meetup groups are starting to finally come back. I mean, that was yeah. so that was one of the most frustrating parts of the pandemic for me because, I mean, man, that's that's how we get 95 percent of our business is just going out and meeting people and grabbing drinks with everybody. I mean, real estate is, is a very social game. And so not being able to get out and do that and, and learn and you know meet other people was really frustrating. Yeah, there were a lot of virtual things going on, but that's it's just not anywhere close to the same. It 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 works, but it's better to actually see people. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, it's uh you know, I think virtual stuff is good for podcasts. It's not so good for, for meetings. I mean, we had uh you know, I do a meetup for the real estate investors in Nashville. And it's they're recording them and they're doing fine after the recording. But the people that show up to the event live is far fewer. Than, you know, we, I usually have around 30 to 50 people show up to that meetup. Um, and we've been having about 15 to 20 now. And it's because there's a social aspect of it that everybody craves. I mean, that's that's how you get deals done. That's how I've gotten a bunch of deals done. It's just by getting out and meeting people. Yeah, there's a national group that I speak at quite often, and they usually do about four uh, four events a year. And they went during COVID to a hybrid event where they have uh, online viewership, but they also have the the live in-person stuff. So, you know, the middle of last year, it got pretty rough. We were in Baltimore, and, you know, I was speaking in a room that had three people in it. There were a wow. lot of attendees, but they were virtual. You know, I'm hoping, and I'm sure it will go this way. People will start to finally come back around. Now, some people will always do the virtual thing. People, some people, it's just their personality. They want the knowledge. They're not maybe comfortable, you know, talking with people. They're maybe kind of, maybe not a recluse, but they're introverts and they don't like to get out and 
personally talk with people, but I think most of them will come back. Uh, the last one we just did in Houston with that same group, um, which is Think Realty. Great group again, fantastic group. Again, just oddly run by one of my good friends. Um, I've written an article uh, we, for them, actually. Yeah, it, it's yeah. uh yeah, they're a great group, but we did a, an event there in Houston, uh, I think last month. And, you know, the, the room that I was speaking to probably had 80 people in it. So it's starting to come back and I'm really, really excited. Yeah, it, it's there's just no substitute for sitting next to each other and, and getting to know each other, pressing the flesh, if you will. Yeah, no, it makes it makes a big difference. I mean, it. Um, that's there's so much in body language alone that that can tell you whether you click with somebody or not so you know especially when you're looking at doing deals together or trying to find deals that it's pretty important what else uh, what else have you had going on this week so we do have something kind of exciting i think i'm going to be under contract on a, my next apartment complex here in austin nice. actually tell us uh, about it's it. a little bitty one right it's it's a 48 unit but uh the and not to say there's anything wrong with the 48 unit. It's a great size uh, for most people, but it, it's usually smaller than where we're going after now. And remember, I've talked about this a lot. The bigger you get, the easier they are to run. We're going after this 48 unit because it's literally right down the street from a property we own, a 200 unit. So we'll just bolt it onto that one, have it run by the exact same staff. Um, but one thing that's really cool about what we're going to do on this one, and something that you and I talked about probably about five or six episodes ago, and it there's a lack of female investors in commercial real estate. And that's something that both of us are aware of, and neither one of us are really happy about. You know, I want more and more women involved. Um, they have a different skill set than men do. They have a different sensibility, um, and, and they're really good at it. So on this deal, now we'll only have to raise about two to maybe $2.2 million at the most, but uh, we're going to do it with nothing but women investors, period. You can have your husband in there with you or your significant other in there with you, but you as the female of the couple will be the investor that we communicate with. You get the K-1 yourself. So we're just, we're, we're going to make a concerted effort that the only people allowed in on that specific one are women. You know, my, my daughter, I, I have two daughters, no sons. I have a wife. I have two female dogs. You know, everything in my life. I'm the only man in my entire life. So, you know, hey, I, I just, we just want to pull more people in. <laughs> well, okay, I guess you're in my life. Uh, you are the adopted child. <laughs> yeah, I hear, I hear I don't have any sons. I don't have any other men in my life. Like, what the hell, man? <laughs> but no, oh, it, it's going to be a good deal, though. That's great. I mean, that's pretty exciting. And what, what made you all decide to take that initiative? Um, I mean, I know, obviously, we've talked about it before, but like, what was the kind of trigger point? It's all my wife. You know, yeah. she knows I'm a big, big advocate for women. And so it's always in both of our minds. And she started talking to one of her girlfriends uh, that's in the industry. And, you know, she's she's actually invested with us in one of our deals. And they were talking about how, you know, especially in the property management world. And that's how we know her in the property management world. Almost all of the office staff are women. Yet there are almost no women that invest in real estate, and it's just a big miss. And there's a huge opportunity there for women. So they were talking, and Steph, my wife, got the idea that look, let's just go out and do a deal for nothing but women. And then you know, about a week later, this thing came across my desk, and I was like, yeah, that's a 48 unit, but again, it's right next door almost to one of my existing properties. So I thought this will be a perfect one to get started on that path. So it was all her idea, and I love it. 
That's awesome. So why did you all decide to, I mean, obviously you're, you're, you've been focused on basically 200 plus unit apartment complexes. What was so appealing about this 48 unit? Again, it's right down the street and because I can run it so efficiently because, you know, if I don't have something down the street that I can run it out of uh, my, this might be over some people's heads and, you know, but when you run numbers or projections or budgets for an apartment complex, you're looking at, you know, how much you're going to spend on marketing and utilities and your loan and all this other stuff. But part of it is staffing. And staffing and multifamily, um, if you have full-time staff, you're usually going to be paying $900 to $1,100 and sometimes up to $1,500 per unit. Well, with this property, since, again, we can run it out of the other property, we're only going to have to spend about $600 per unit on staffing. So I have an advantage that most people that are going to try to get that property just won't have. So it's going to be very efficient for me to run because I have the economies of scale um, so I can afford to offer a little bit more for the property than a lot of other people. Um, but I've, I've gotten word that I have a very good shot at getting it. Now, nothing's guaranteed, you know, the seller right. will decide who he wants to go with, obviously, but I think we're, I think we're the front runner right now. So I, I would say we have a 80 to 90% chance of getting it done. Well, that's, uh, that's actually pretty appropriate for the conversation that we're going to be having today about starting big or starting small because you started off with a 48 unit, you got into you know 150 plus units, and now you're going back to a 48 unit. So a lot of people would look at that as a, you know, maybe a step backwards, but that's not always the case. There are many strategic advantages to doing both small and big deals. So, you know, one of the questions that Bruce and I get asked all the time, or, or maybe not even questions, but one of the things that we face is, you know, somebody going, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to buy my first quadplex. Uh, or, hey, I want to buy a 16-unit apartment complex. And the first thing I always say to them is think bigger. <laughs> go, go bigger with it, um, which may not always be right. But, you know, Bruce, uh, what are, uh, you know, you started off with a 48-unit. What are your thoughts on starting small and going with uh, a project that maybe you and a couple of friends could take mm -hmm. on versus diving into a 48-unit apartment complex? There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer, right? You kind of allude to it that what I always tell people, go as big as you can go safely. You know, don't overextend yourself. Don't get yourself uh, in a bind financially. Put every dollar you own in your life into one deal. Don't do that. That's rough. Uh, that's reckless. You need the emergency fund for your you and your family. So make sure you always have that. But if you're going to start at a five or a six unit, because multifamily starts in five, at five units, if you're going to start with a five or six unit, even 12 or 24, you're going to run that yourself. Now, you can hire a property management company to do it for you. The problem is nobody wants to run a 12-unit property, you or a management company. So they're just a pain in the ass to run. You will almost, without exception, not have an office on site. And if you do, it's because you took one of your uh, units offline uh, to turn into an office, right? So let's say you have a, a five-unit property and you take one of the units offline. Well, that's 20% of your units if you stay full, you could never get above 80% occupancy. So it's just a bad idea. And then you take it to a third-party management company and say, hey, I'm buying this 12-unit. Will you manage it for me? Ugh, God, I, I don't really want to because it's really hard to staff those. You you don't have enough profit to, to afford much in the way of payroll. So you'll be kind of an afterthought for that uh, property management company. And most property management companies will have a minimum dollar. You know, it might be 3% or 5% or 10% or their minimum, whichever is greater. 
So for us, um, our minimum is fifteen hundred bucks. There are some companies out there; their minimum to take you on is three thousand dollars. So if it's three thousand dollars, and let's say let's do this: let's say you buy a six-unit pro or twelve-unit property, even twelve-unit property, and you make two hundred dollars of free cash flow per month. You make twenty-four hundred dollars a month, and those those are rough numbers, but they're you know somewhere in the ballpark usually. You make twenty-four hundred dollars a month off a twelve-unit property. And you're going to give somebody fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars to manage it? It just makes no sense. It just makes no sense. So you, you kind of almost have to run that yourself to make this this investment worthwhile. Uh, and most people don't want to, you know, run their own thing. They don't want to sit at an office, if you will. They don't want to be the one that has to come show the property and process the evictions and you know coordinate all the work orders. So if you can, I think you should start at 40 units and above because that's kind of the sweet spot where you can you can start affording uh, part-time staff on site. You get to 80 or 100 units, you can usually afford full-time staff. Problem is, most lenders, if you have no experience, they're not going to give you a loan for 100 unit property. You have no experience in your risk, you shit for them. So start where you need to start, but start. That's the number one thing. And then go as big as you can, as quickly and safely as you can. Again, don't get out over your skis. Uh, don't take on too much. And please have a coach in your corner or, you know, join somebody uh, somebody else's GP if you can. Yeah, I mean, there are economies of scale that come with having a larger property, right? Because you can, you're spreading that cost of that one property manager out over 100 units instead of 10, right? So you get 10 times the scalability out of having 100 units, you're you're making way more per unit. And it's and it's not just the property manager, it's it's also your time, too, right? I mean, you've got to think about that. Do you want to really do you really want to go out and buy yourself a job? Because on the smaller projects, that's usually what it is until, you know, maybe if you go get 10 10 unit properties, then you can justify a property manager, you can negotiate your rates, you can spread it out. But it's far more difficult to buy 10 10 unit properties than it is to buy one 100 unit my property i mean wouldn't you agree bruce well i would but then there's also another side of it too so and it, it a lot of it comes down to your personality how are you wired some people's uh, mindset is that i need to know everything about everything before i hire anybody well that's fine there's nothing wrong with that that's not my personality so i didn't need to start with a five unit and learn it myself I started with a 48 unit and hired somebody that was experienced. I knew how to run the business. I just didn't know how to run the office, right? I didn't know how to run that property, but I knew how to run the uh, real estate business. So I hired somebody experienced that knew how to do that. And I learned from her. She learned the business from me uh, and it worked out really well. But again, if you start with a 5, 12, 24 unit, you're going to know more about the operational day to day than I'll ever know because yeah. I didn't go that route, right? So there is a benefit to starting small and learning everything there is to learn. So now you know exactly what that manager should have been doing. So again, there's not a right or wrong answer. You have to decide what's right for you. Tyler, like you talked about, you know, I have people all the time said, hey, I want to get started with a 12 unit, okay? Well, where do you want to do that? Well, I live in Austin, but I, I want to buy in Houston, a 12 unit. Uh, okay, that's three hours away. Well, how are you going to manage it? Well, I'll manage it. I can manage a 12. How how long are you going to have the momentum to keep driving to Houston once or twice a week, three hours each way? Oh, if if you buy a 12-unit property, you personally will probably make, you know, a couple, maybe a grand, you know, 
profit, uh, maybe $2,400 at the most, like we did in the previous example. But $2,400 is not a little sum of money. Don't get me wrong. But again, six hours in the car, two times a week, three times a week, four times a week, whatever it is. Not worth it. Oh, my God, you're going to lose steam. And if you're going to syndicate that deal, you might only have 10% of the deal. So of that $2,400 a month in free cash flow, you might only get 10% of that. If you syndicate, get 10%. Now you're only making 240 bucks, and you're going to drive three hours each way. Everybody thinks they will, and I promise it will peter out. You will lose steam, and the property will start to suffer because of it. Then you got to go find a property management company that's going to charge you probably 10% or a $1,500 minimum, maybe a $1,200 minimum. It's just not a good idea. If you're going to start that small, for me, it makes the most sense to buy in your own backyard. Yeah, I mean, start off with a house hack. You know, go buy a quadplex, live in one of the units, rent out the other three, right? Or or buy something that's down the street that you're going to have to drive past every day. That, you know, it's just, it's so convenient. It's on your way home or whatever. And, and, and you know that you'll never neglect it. I mean, I've found that even with properties that are 20 or 25 minutes away from me, that I just don't pay as much attention to them as I do all the properties that are within my 10 minute, 15 minute radius of where my office is. And so because of that, we sold off those properties. Uh, I just didn't want to deal with them anymore. Now, Chattanooga is a bit of a different deal, right? I mean, we went out and looked in Chattanooga for over a year before we, we decided to move forward on a project. And that was a project that was large enough to where we could justify the operations within that city. I mean, the, the building was 41,000 square feet. It's, well, it's two buildings at 41,000 square feet. That's worth our time. Now, would I go out to Chattanooga and buy a 1,500-square-foot house and rent it out? Absolutely not. I, there's no way that that could ever be justified. So I think, you know, especially if you're going to start off small, you've got to start off close to home. If you want to start investing in other areas, maybe you're in California or New York and it's, it's impossible to make, you know, cash flow or even find deals, you've got to go a little bit bigger. Um, and the good thing is, I mean, if you start off – if you start off small and you slowly snowball it, it will snowball, right? It will, it will, you will gain momentum. You'll be able to, I mean, I've had plenty of clients that built up a residential portfolio, one house at a time. They bought one or two houses a year for five years and that added up. And then they packaged all of the houses together and sold them off and 1031 exchanged into an office building or a shopping center, something that was far less uh, consuming of your day-to-day -day attention and could be managed by a property manager. Right. And, you know, again, there's nothing wrong with that. What I do is syndications, right? So I'm going out and raising money with other people. But there are a lot of people that start, like you said, with one or two single-family houses a year and grow that into their own little six-unit property. Because if you're managing your own portfolio of houses, well, you kind of understand how to manage real estate. For the most part, it's the same. When you start getting into 100, 200, 300, 400 unit properties, okay, it does change a little bit. But, you know, if you go from having five single family homes and go out and buy a five unit apartment complex, well, that's a pretty easy move for you to make. And a lot of people will do that and they will scale up and they don't bring in other people. You know, you can't buy as much, you can't buy as large, but now you own all of it to yourself. You, you don't have to answer to investors because when you bring investors in, you got to remember something as a syndicator. The way I really look at this, the biggest partner in any of my deals, first of all, is the bank or the lender. They're going to lend me 70 to 80% of the deal. So they're my 70 to 80% partner. 
outside of that, the deal is a deal that I found and I will run. So technically, yes, it's my deal, but I really try to look at it that it's the investor's deal that I run for them, right? That's the way I look at it. Now, technically, that's not it. It is my deal, and I go out and try to raise money for my deal. But I'd like to keep that other thought in mind. It keeps me honest. Um, but yeah, so there's no, no problem with, with starting out kind of smaller and slower and growing your own portfolio. It's a great way to get started and, and to start growing this thing. But I, I love buying 300-unit properties, right? I want to buy big stuff because I can afford more staff because I have more profit dollars. And not only that, I can afford higher quality staff, too, that might have some more accreditation. They may have some more certifications and other people more experience. Again, it comes down to profit dollars. A 300-unit property has so many more profit dollars that I can afford to spend on uh, on staffing. Yeah, I mean, that, that brings up another good point. I mean, that's one of the other pros and or cons of, of doing it, of doing real estate, right? I mean, if you, if you want to go on your own, you get to make 100% of the decisions. You don't have to worry about anybody else's money. You don't have to worry about, you know, somebody getting upset because you decided to turn a tenant down that you just didn't like and you didn't trust and you didn't want them in the building. Whereas your investors may have said, well, hey, we need the cash flow, right? And you obviously you can do that in commercial. You can't really do that in multifamily. But, um, you know, if you're if you're syndicating like Bruce does, you know, and, and I also do as well, you've got investors to answer to and you've got a, 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 uh, a pro forma that you've got to adhere to and an offering memorandum that you sold, you know, the the kind of project that you sold your investors on that you really have to adhere to um, when you're going through that project. So it kind of, it, you know, it's it's got its pros and cons. I mean, you're, you personally will come out of pocket far less as a syndicator, uh, but you you kind of have a job, not really. But, you know, if you're doing it on your own, you've got to come up with 100% of the cash, 100% of the debt is on your back. So, you know, pros and cons. Right. And I was very lucky. I talk about this all the time. I'm not looking to be your coach or, you know, anybody listening, your coach or your mentor. But I always say, I feel you need one to get started. I had one when I got started. She actually told me, somebody else had told me, hey, Bruce, you should start at about a five to 12 unit property because, you know, they're easier to run there. And then I went to my coach. I said, hey, so she said, well, what are you looking for? What's what's your first property going to be? I said, you know, five to 10, maybe 12 units. She goes, why? She knew that I didn't work for anybody anymore. And I'd already quit working for other people at the age of 42. And now I'm going to go into this. She goes, why would you do that? Well, that's what somebody else told me I should do. Well, she said, that's just stupid. Unless you want to buy a job, which is what you said, Tyler. Do you want to buy yourself a job? No, I quit working for other people because I didn't like it. So she said, well, that's what you're doing. If you're going to buy a 12 unit property, you got to run that yourself. Again, the whole same thing about the property management company, you can find them, but it's going to be very expensive for you to have them on board. But she got through to me early on that, look, that's not a great idea. Now, Bruce, can you raise the money to buy a 48 unit? Only time will tell, but that's what I think you should do. I thought, okay, well, you know what you're doing better than I do. You're the coach that I'm paying to show me how to do this. So I completely listened to her. And uh, it was, you know, it was a good move for me because, again, I just I didn't want that 15 to 20 dollar an hour job. It just wasn't worth it for me. I could make a lot more money going trying to find that next deal or find the next investor. That's a lot more productive use of my time. Exactly. I mean, I, I think that there is diversification of your portfolio that comes with scaling bigger, too. Right. I mean, 
if you've got 100 units, you're diversified there because if 10, 10 tenants leave, you still have 90% occupancy. If you have a single family home and one person leaves, you've got 100% vacancy. So it's, you know, to me, being able to, to diversify that risk over more units just makes the project a little less risky. And then you think about it, if you've got a million dollars in cash, you could go buy a single property with that million dollars, or you could put $100,000 with alongside your investors in 10 deals. And now not only are you diversified over your tenant mix, but you're also diversified over the projects and the properties. You don't just have one location. Uh, you can go, you can scale out and, I mean, that'll make your property managers happier working on 10 larger projects instead of just one. Uh, again, you get a better relationship, you get better terms. Um, that, that scalability really means a lot. But I mean, my grandfather, he, he never invested with partners. He never wanted a partner. And he did just fine building up his, his portfolio over the years. So it, it's interesting. I mean, the good thing about real estate is like, just get out there and do it. No matter how you decide to do it, as long as you're consistent, you continue, you know, if you want to take the, the smaller route and you, you want to stay small, you don't want to bring on investors, you don't want to deal with the stress, then just be consistent about it. Buy one or two houses a year. You know, over, over 20 years, you'll have a 40-unit portfolio. I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot of single-family homes. There's not a whole lot of people that own that many single-family homes. You know, same with, uh, same with if you're going to get out there and syndicate, as long as you're consistently doing the next project. I mean, you know, it may be every year or every two years that you buy one project, uh, just, be, you know, considering the scale and the size. But you'll be able to add it up over time and do just as well. Right. So... You know, two things come to mind when we're talking about this, right? Let's talk a little bit more about the scale. So I was at this event last night, and a guy got up and talked about his his story in buying single-family rent homes. And then a person got up and talked about apartment complexes and what they've done. And so the guy that got up and talked about single-family homes, he was very successful. He's a great guy, super nice guy. Everybody in the audience really was, you know, dug into his story and very good presentation. But I was looking at the slides that he was that he had on the screen, and he he had something like eight. I think it was eight single family homes because he had like a, a chart of all of his portfolio. So eight single family homes, and I looked over at the far right bottom corner, and it showed his total free cash flow or profit, if you will, on uh, on a monthly basis. It's like okay, so he has eight. It may have been ten, but I think it was eight houses in his. Uh, cash flow each month was 1900 bucks like okay well that's okay that's roughly you know right around 200 dollars per unit and that that's solid cash flow but he had to go out and buy 10 different houses okay maybe eight eight different closings eight different searches eight different rehabs eight different everything i go out and buy a 300 unit property it's one transaction and it, it would have taken that person. So I thought all the work he did to get $2,000 a month, roughly, if I go out and buy one 50-unit property, a 50-unit property is going to pay me about $10,000 a month in free cash flow. Again, as a syndicator, I might only own a portion of that. But again, it's the scale piece of it. I can do it all in one transaction. All of the properties are under one roof. I can repair them quicker, easier, because they're all located in the same spot. So 
you know, that's another big benefit. So again, I was just struck by he's very successful. And for most people, $2,000 extra a month from passive income, that's fantastic. And again, I'm not saying it's not. What do you want? Is that what you want? Fine. Well, then go do that. It's totally okay. I wanted something bigger. So it wasn't enough for me. When I first got started, that would have been enough. But now that I've been doing this for a while, and I see how it can scale, and how with scale, it becomes easier. Yeah, I'll always buy apartment complexes. I'll never go back. But then the second piece of it, you know, we're talking about I think you mentioned, you know, over 20 years, two houses a year. Now you got 20, uh, 20 houses. Uh, no, what would we say? 20 or 40 houses. So you got 40 houses, right? So, but that made me think also, okay, so that's 20 years. What I think a lot of people would do with that process, that mindset is you'd have either a 15 year loan and you own these outright, or you would have had a 30 year note and you only have 10 years left to pay. I think that's a bad idea. I think it's a horrible idea. Well, it's not a horrible idea. Again, it's mindset. That's all this is. What works for you? For me, I want the most efficient use of my dollars. And that is not ever paying off a piece of real estate, not my personal residence, not any investment that I ever make. Because if I have a deal that makes a 10% cash on cash return, right? So after I pay all my bills on a yearly basis, whatever I invested, I make 10% of that in profit, right? So let's say you've got a 20% down payment and you're making 10% profit on that. If you do the same thing, but you pay cash for it, or basically you have paid it off over the years because you did have a note, but now you own it completely. Well, now that same, whatever your profit is, it's set against the entire equity in the, the cost of that residence, of that building, whatever it is. Your return numbers go into the shitter, right? So where I might make 10%, you own it outright, you may only be making 3 or 4%. I think my way is a much more efficient use. So let's say you own it for five years. Uh, you know, if you've got equity built up in that house because you've paid down the note and maybe prices have gone up three to 5% a year for, you know, five to 10 years now. Well, you have equity built up in that. What I would do, what I always do, I go take equity out of that house or that apartment complex and turn it into additional houses or apartment complexes. I don't ever want to pay off a piece of real estate. Unless I get to a point where I have more money than I would ever know what to do with. I'm not there. So I'm not doing that right now. But if I could go out and write a $50 billion check for a house, okay, well, then I'll probably do it without a loan. But until you get to where you want to be, I'm trying to scale a business. So I'm not going to pay off real estate myself. Just my take on it. I think paying off your house as soon as you can and calling Dave Ramsey and going, woohoo, I think that's just asinine. You still got to go to work tomorrow, dude. I don't, you know, so it's just, again, it's my thought process. We definitely need to have a, a conversation on that at some point, because that's, uh, that's another very uh, contrasting opinion in real estate is should you aim to own your assets outright in cash or should you utilize debt? And I think there are, there are two very different trains of thought, um, on both of those. So we could make a, we can make a whole episode out of that. Um, well, Bruce, I mean, is there, are there any other thoughts that you have on, on starting small or going big? I mean, it seems like we've covered it pretty well, and, and, and hopefully it was a little balanced. I think I'm sure the listeners can tell that we both think that you should scale and go bigger. Um, but I think that we covered that pretty fairly. Well, most of the most successful people that I know in real estate, they will always say the same thing, go as big as you can. Again, there's nothing wrong with staying, starting small and even staying small. Maybe you don't want much out of this. Maybe real estate, you only want 
to cover tuition for your kids or maybe just your house payment or just your car payment or you want to go buy a boat, whatever. Mm -hmm. You might not want a big business. I want to own a business, not just have a little bit of side income. So again, it just it depends on what you want going, starting and staying smaller or doing it all by yourself without syndicating tremendously easier than what we do. But we're trying to accomplish a different goal than just have a you know a few extra dollars in my pocket at the end of each month, maybe pay for a vacation. I'm trying to create a true business. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's it. You know, choose whatever's right for you. But we say just get started somehow. Yeah, I, I, my my parting thoughts would be I, I would challenge you to think bigger. No matter how big you're thinking already, think a little bit bigger. Right. When I first got started in commercial real estate, I was trying to I kept taking the developer that I worked for these little, uh, you know, four to six builds in East Nashville. And I was like, this is a good deal. Let's go build six houses over here. And every time that developer was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't care how good of a deal it is. We're building 42 units over here. I've got 100 going on over here. I've got 57 going on down here. Why would I go divert my time to work on a six unit project? And he kept, I mean, he kept telling me, think bigger, go find something bigger. And so the first project I ever ended up doing was 42 units, right? Because I had somebody tell me, go do something bigger, go do something bigger. And of course, now I had somebody to partner with to pull that together, but so could you, there's no reason you couldn't. So that's, that's what I would leave you with out of this conversation is just no matter how big you're thinking already, Think just a little bit bigger. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, please don't forget to rate and review uh, so that we can keep bringing this awesome content to you guys. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, don't, uh, don't forget to like and subscribe, and we will see you all next week. Later.